Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. So good, guys. Uh, uh, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I want to preach the word today. Why don't you just, uh, you can have your seat. Okay, I was going to make you stand, but I won't do that. It's a long weekend, and everyone here really, really, really loves Jesus. That's why you're here, okay? So <laughs> someone's like, I don't. It's like, okay, just don't say anything. It's all good. We'll believe <laughs> Fake it till you make it, you know what I'm saying? Um, I want to I just read a scripture today, and I have a message that's really, really been on my heart. Uh, Pastor Justin was like, hey, um, we're done our Psalm series, and we're starting a brand new series on September 8th, but why don't you just preach something that's on your heart uh, for uh, the Labor Day long weekend? So next week, we're starting a brand new series on honor, and we're so, come on, give me a salute. It's going to be good. Let's go. Yes, sir. It's gonna, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Anybody remember that song you grew up in church? Yes, sir. So good. If you didn't grow up in kids' church, you were missing out, okay? Your kids are going to be so blessed. It's crazy. There's Father Abraham. There's the Lord's army. Remember the shooting the cannon? Yeah, there we go. Uh, so 1 Peter 1, 3. Zach, you're the best, bro. Uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 7. I want to preach a little bit out of this scripture today. And, and you, you can refer to it a few times. Um, I'm not going to be able to go back to it too many times, so let's just read it together at the beginning. Can we get it up on the screens? Is that possible? You're working on it? It's all good. I can turn there in my Bible as well, but it'd be nice to read together. How quickly can you guys find stuff in your Bible? I'm pretty good. Um, when, I was, when I was in kids' church as a kid, you know, I didn't meet Jesus until I uh, was 20, but I did go to kids' church as a kid, and they made me memorize the books of the Bible. I can do the New Testament right now if you'd like Genesis, or sorry, it was Matthew, Mark. <laughs> I can do the Old Testament too if you want to, but it's longer. But it's, uh, come on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians 1 and 2, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First Peter, Second Peter, 3, John, Jude, and Revelation. That's the, that's the New Testament right there. Let's go. Let's go. That's from my childhood, dog. Let's, it's imprinted in my soul. Um, so do we got that scripture? Yes, no, maybe so. I see it down here. There we go. Is that it? There we go. Praise God. And that's the first word, too. It's excellent. So First Peter, let's read it. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that you have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. You know, I really believe that that encapsulates the Christian life. Because of everything that God said, we can live with the great expectation that God's going to be good to us. Can I get a big amen? amen? And the Bible says this, and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Next verse. And the Bible says this, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day. And there's our motto, people, for all to see. So that, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And if you have a paper Bible today, or maybe you have your cell phone, just highlight that verse because it's so important. Uh, verse six, but let's go to verse seven. Hey, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. 
So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Can we just clap for God's word real quick? Because that is a powerful passage of scripture. I would love to preach on the subject today. If you are taking notes, you can write this at the top of your page. I tell this joke every single time I'm preached, so get ready to hear it for the next 25 years. I help you take notes because I believe that when we get to heaven, Jesus wants to see your notes, okay? So why don't you write this at the top? I thought you'd laugh way harder at that, but you didn't. It's okay. Um, so yeah, I, I do have four kids. I tell lots of dad jokes, okay? Um, but, but you can write this at the top of your page. page. Jesus, I will trust you. I want to preach on this topic today, putting our trust in the Lord through every season of life. And, and, and I just wanted to say, we're going to pray in one minute and ask God to speak to us. But the reason I wanted to preach this message today is just because I feel like we're going into this cool season as a church. You know, this summer, I think God did a deep work in so many of us in this house over all of our locations. And I really see that God wants to do something amazing in the fall. And I just feel like we need to just get ready for what God wants to do. Can I get a big amen? That, that, that We're about to experience a little bit of growth. We're about to experience a little bit of people stepping up into their call and into their destiny. And you know, the church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The the church is people that have been saved by Jesus coming together because we love Jesus by his grace to do the things that he's called us to do. So that means that you've got to step up. Can I get a big amen? And I feel like what God wants to speak to us in this season is that we just need to simply trust in him and he's going to help us. Why don't we pray and ask God to speak to us? Lord Jesus, would you speak to us today? We love you. We trust you. And God, I pray that as we admire your word today and as we lean in, to preaching on Sunday, that, that you would reveal Jesus to us in a powerful way, that we would see you more clearly, and that we would leave here changed, trusting in you more than we ever have before. God, we know that you can do it. We love you. And in Jesus' mighty name, come on, ever said a big amen. Put your hands together one more time. You're about to hear the word. Let's go. Uh, humans will do some crazy stuff to be happy. I, I, on Thursday, I went to Cultus Lake water slides with my kids, okay? And I want to just say, humans will do some crazy stuff to be happy. You know how much money I paid to go to Cultus Lake water slides with all four of my kids? We, we had to bring help with us because we need help. So we got two other people to come with us, and, and, and my son Judas got special needs, so he's in his stroller, and we're trying to keep him out of the sun, and we're at Cultus Lake, and it takes like an hour and a half to drive there, and my kids the entire drive, they're like, Dad, are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? And I'm in the front like, I'll turn this car around if you say, are we there yet again? I'm telling you, when you become a dad, you're going to say all the stuff you thought that you'd never say. Can I get a big amen from the parents in the house today? I'm that dad. One more. Th That's me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy because sometimes it just comes out at my friends. So I'm like, Jacob. And then everyone's looking at me like, whoa, what just happened? I'm like, cool it, Kobe. Only in private. You know, <laughs> kind of joking. Um, but we're at Cultus Lake Waterslides. And, 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 and I spent the entire day trying to convince my eight-year-old, seven-year-old, and five-year-old to face their fears. That, that's what dads do at the water park, okay? The kids never want to do anything, and, and then you point out smaller kids that are doing the thing that they're afraid to do. 
It's a great tactic. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to do it. It's too big. There's a two-year-old doing this ride, Jacob. Do you see that two-year-old? He's braver than you. He's braver than you. Are you braver than a two-year-old? Okay, Dad, I guess so. You know, I have this conversation all day long. Take notes on my parenting skills, guys. They're really good. <laughs> And anyway, so we're, we're, we're kind of at the base, and we, we did this ride called the Valley of Fear. Okay, I don't know if you know this ride, but if you've been to Call to Lake Waterslides, it's like this big U, and there's like a 40-foot drop, and you go down, and then you go up, and you go backwards, and you kind of just slosh on this thing. And, and, and I convinced my son, Jed, the five-year-old, I said, Jed, you are strong and courageous. You're a brave little boy. You have the energy and the passion of a lion. Give me a roar. Give me a roar. Ah. Let's go on the valley of fear because you're fearless. You know, I start preaching to him. You know what I mean? I can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4.13. You know, as pastor dad, you know. And uh, I get Jed on this thing, right? And it is so ridiculous. Like, you're up at the top and it's like, the wind's blowing. You know, people look like ants, you know. And I'm up there with my five-year-old. And there's, it's a double tube. So I'm sitting on the back. And here's also what I learned at the, 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 the water park. I gained 50 pounds since the last time I went to Cultus Lake Water Slides. And I fly down those things like a bullet now, okay. I went on the bazooka bowls. And it was like, boom. I went down. I'm, whoa. I'm going back in time as I'm going down this thing. I'm shooting around the edge going, I'm going to die. I'm crying out to the Lord. Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani. You know, I'm like, why am I here? You know? And so anyways, I'm on this thing with Jed. And he's sitting on it. He's looking at me like, dad, are you sure? You know? And I'm kind of scared too, but I'm hiding and I'm like, we'll be fine, Jed. Look, the little kid just went on it. He gets in this tube and his body is like smaller than the hole and there's just these little arms holding on. And I'm on the back and I'm just massive and he's like right here like a peanut. And he gets on this thing and we go down and you just can't even see like the thing. It's just like a straight drop. And the look on his face was like, how dare you? You know, he was just, ah, he's laughing and crying at the same time, ah, going down, boom, we hit the bottom, and then he goes back up, and I just see him go like, like, you know that, like, ah, and we get to the bottom, and Jed, I'm like, Jed, did you have fun? And my daughter, every time she does something courageous, she's always like, let's do it again. Like, she's so sweet. Jed was like, ah, I you someone like you're not allowed to say I hate you, but I get it because that was kind of scary and I'm scared too, but it was fun, you know? Like the things we do to have fun. My daughter went on the roller coaster later. There's a roller coaster next door. And, and, and one of our friends that we brought took her on the roller coaster. And as she's going on it, there was this really fast turn that she had to do. And, and our friend said when she went on the turn, she started crying out to Jesus. Literally, my daughter's like, Jesus, help me. I'm not kidding you. Afterwards, she told me, I was like, I was like, good girl. I was like, that's exactly what you do when you're afraid. I was like, I'm such a good dad. Why did I put her on this roller coaster? You know, but we, we would do some crazy stuff just to be happy. I mean, if I'm going to take an account of my life, all the dumb stuff that I did, that looking back at 33 years of age, at, at my 20s and my teens, that the stuff that hurt me long term, the stuff that I regret, the stuff that I'm still kind of embarrassed about that I've had to receive grace for from God, that type of stuff often started with a, well, it seems kind of fun. 
Yeah, have you ever seen that relationship and, and, and it just doesn't quite add up and you pull your friend aside and you say, hey, I just don't know if this is really healthy or good for you. And, and then they, they often will say like, well, well they, make me, they make me happy. And it just seems like, like we are willing to pay a really big price and put our body in all kinds of dangerous places to experience this emotion and state of being called happiness. And, and, and I was thinking about that at the water slides, and I was thinking about my relationship with God. And, and, and I feel like oftentimes we can get confused in our Christian walk with the Lord because we walk through seasons where we're not happy, and, and we think that because we're not happy that God has somehow abandoned us. Like, 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 I have this question for you today, church. What is God's ultimate goal for my life? It's a good question. Like, like what is his, his, his plan and his purpose for me? Because when I first became a Christian, there was a part of me that thought that God's goal for my life maybe was to make me more happy than I was before I became a Christian. And that following Jesus, the, 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 the reason that you'd want to do something as crazy as follow Jesus in the world we live today must be happiness. Wee! This is fun. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. But, but, but I've just found it as I walked. I thought you'd laugh way harder at that. That was really, really good. You guys need to lighten up, okay? I know it's a serious topic, but hello. But, but, but I found that the more that I, that I walk with Jesus, that that's not necessarily true. Check out this scripture, 1 Peter 1.16. I think that this will help us understand God's goal for our life. Watch what it says. It says, be happy because I'm happy. Oh, shoot. That's not what it says? Oh, oh no, no, no. It says, whoa, whoa be, be holy because I'm holy. Wouldn't it be great if it said be happy because I'm happy? Like, like wouldn't, wouldn't Christianity be so much easier? God's like, guys, it's the best. Follow me. It's so much fun. It's like a, it's like a theme park every single day, and, and all the bad stuff goes away, and I'm just going to go before you, and I'm going to come after you and sweep, so it's always clean and easy, and nothing bad ever happens, and then you get to go to heaven. Yeah! You know, and then I read a scripture like this, and God's like, be holy it's I am holy, and I want to remind you today, church, that God's ultimate goal for your life, his first goal, it's not that he hates happiness, it's that he craves holiness, and he wants to do something in you before he does something through you in your life, and if God wants to do something in your life deep, sometimes it's not going to be super happy, because he's trying to produce, come on church, you can put your hands together for this one, holiness in your life. Be holy as I am holy, and, and, and I started obsessing over that. I remember when I first read that verse going, whoa, what does that mean for me? And I thought, maybe I can achieve holiness. Like, like I'll just go to church more. Stop saying bad words, especially the F word. Not saying it anymore. Why? Because I'm holy. All my friends that aren't holy, not talking to them anymore. Why? Because I want to be holy. Uh, and I'm going to read my Bible every day. And I thought that maybe 
if God put it in his word that I could somehow achieve this level of purity and achieve this level of holiness by taking stuff out of my life and adjusting my life in all kinds of ways. And I thought, at least the Bible doesn't say that I have to be perfect because I think I can maybe do this holiness thing. And then I read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 48 says this. It says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I thought, I am screwed. Because I don't think I can achieve that. Have you ever had that friend that always one-ups you every time you tell a story? No, let, me, let me rephrase that. You had that friend. And then you're like, I can't be friends with you anymore because you are super annoying. You're like, look, I got a puppy. He's like, nah, I got two puppies, you know? It's like, no, you don't. You know that guy? He's always one-upping you. I just wanted an awesome vacation. Not as awesome as my vacation. I went to Barcelona. Barcelona is what I call it now. <laughs> you know? It's like, this guy's just a jerk. You know, just enjoy my happiness for one second, please. You know, I think sometimes we shy away from God because we feel like he's the one-up guy. And every time that we do something that's like, okay, God, I want to just go to church today. I know yesterday was crazy. I just need to be in your presence. We feel like, ah, it's just not my standard yet. And so we kind of shy away from him. And like Adam, we kind of cover ourselves with leaves and stuff just so that we, he doesn't have to see some of our stuff because Jesus is always raising the bar a little too high. I just want to encourage you today and remind you that our God is not the raise the bar too high God. Now, now listen, he has great expectations for your life. Like my, my God has a high bar for your life. But there's nothing he will not supply grace for that he hasn't called you to. Come on, somebody. He, he's, he's given you grace to do everything that he's called you to do. He's supplying you with all the stuff that you need. And when I fall short of God's glorious standard, his grace is always so faithful to fill in the gap. Come on, somebody. God is so good. God is so good. And, and, and when I realized that God's grace was on my life, to become over time, over my lifetime. The Bible says that if you're still breathing, God's not done yet. And, and, and when I knew that God's goal wasn't necessarily my happiness, but my holiness, and he wanted to do a complete work in me, I started looking at those words and realizing they didn't mean what I thought they meant. You know what holiness means? This is so good, guys. It means different, different, different in the most beautiful way. Different like Jesus is different. So, so when God's saying be holy as I'm holy, he's saying, hey, listen, when it comes to the way that you walk on planet earth, you need to be different like Jesus is different. The way Jesus is attractive, the way that Jesus loves people, the way that Jesus is gentle, the way that Jesus is kind. When you become more like Jesus, you are going to be set apart and different from the world. And I want to remind you, church, that you can't make a difference unless you're different. Can I get an Amen. If you want to make a difference in your friend's circle, in your workplace, in your life, God's calling you to his awesome standard of holiness so that you can shine the light of Jesus' life for all to see wherever you're at. That's what holiness is all about. Come on. You, you know, even in, in Revelation, when we get to heaven, the Bible tells us what the future is going to be like, and we're going to be there, and there's angels there who have never sinned, who are perfect. And the Bible says they stand day and night in God's presence crying, holy, holy, holy. 
holy. And I used to not get that because I thought, why are they crying holy, holy, holy to God? They're pure already. But it's because when they see Jesus, even in their state of perfection, they see the gap between them and him because he is so amazing. He is so good. He is so different than anything else in creation. He is set apart. He stands alone. Come on, somebody. He is holy, and he calls us to be like that. Holy. And then I looked up perfect. It was awesome because the word that they used was not never making a mistake, being a robot, being a robot. You know, sometimes we think that's what Christianity is. Hello, my name is Kobe. I am holy and perfect, you know. I thought that would be funny too. It definitely wasn't. I was kind of out of breath when I did the impressions. It didn't work so well, but better luck next time. You know what perfect means? It means complete. Complete. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's like, like I'm complete, you can be complete. You, you don't need to swipe right all week getting denied on Tinder to feel like you've gonna, you're going to fill up that gap on your soul. Come on, somebody. You can actually find in Jesus what you're searching for. You don't have to just all night long just fill your time watching show after show on Amazon.ca to get that new outfit so you just pop a little bit better. Jesus can heal your soul from all that stuff just by when you discover what, how good he is and how full he is and how amazing and complete he is. It's like eating a big meal in that place in your soul that hungers and thirsts is finally satisfied. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, Jesus is calling us to this place of holiness and perfection, that we might be different and complete in him. I feel like that Tinder one cut deep today. That was hardcore. <laughs> that was hardcore. You're like, ooh, during church, ooh. <laughs> hey, God loves you so much, and he has grace for your life today. What I want to do, now that we've kind of set that premise, is go to God's word because I'm a big how guy. And sometimes I can hear a preacher say, this is God's standard for your life and get messed up. And I just don't know how to, how to do what God wants me to do. And I believe scripture is clear and we're going to show today that if you want God to do a great work in your soul for this next season, because if you want to step into leadership, you're, we're going to have to grow together. If you want to do the things that God's called you to do, we got to grow together. We're going to have to become who he wants us to be. We're going to be more like Jesus in this next season. I believe that the formula is simply this. We need to learn as a church to trust Jesus no matter what. That's how you grow. It's just, Jesus, I'll trust you. God, God I, no matter what, no matter what happens in my life, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how scared I am, Dad, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it because I know that you know more than me. You're bigger than me. Your ways are bigger. Your thoughts are bigger. And if I will trust you, I'm going to get to where I need to go on the outside and on the inside. Come on, somebody. Point number one. Yeah, yeah, let's go. You can put your hands together for that. Let's go. God's going to teach us how to trust him. Three reasons we got to trust Jesus no matter what. One, God wants to test your faith. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love tests? <laughs> There's like four people. Yeah. <laughs> I love math tests. <laughs> it's like a nerdy yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I've got one nerd and a jock in my family, okay? So we're going to be doing a lot of math and going to the hospital lots of times. Let's go. <laughs> 
God wants to test your faith. I hated taking tests in high school. I'm like a crammer. Do we have any crammers in the room? Come on, we're in the downtown service. I know there's a couple crammers here. You wait till the last minute. No anxiety. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything. Ah! Ah! This is you. You cancel your life when you have a test for like 48 hours, you know? And I had this teacher in high school. Uh, man, I love this guy so much. He was our biology teacher. His name was Mr. Stevenson. And, I, and man, I, I just have such fond memories of him. And every single class with Mr. Stevenson was a test. It's like, it wasn't a class, it was a test. And we knew every class was a test. But here's why I earnestly love Mr. Stevenson. Because Mr. Stevenson let you redo the test as many times as you wanted. The perfect teacher. And so I remember literally this would happen. You, you weren't allowed to leave until you had at least 90% on the test. So you'd go and you'd study a bit and you'd take your test. You had like a 90-minute class or whatever it was. And, ah, three out of ten. Okay, he'd give you a new test. And then you'd do it again. You got, you got five out of ten. And then you'd do it again. And, and eventually I would never leave the class until I had ten out of ten. And I would like to tell the church today that I got 100% in grade 12 biology because I had a teacher that let me redo the test. Come on, somebody. Let's go. My son spent six months in the hospital, and, and all the doctors were always checking on him, and every morning we have something called rounds where they would, like, assess his health, and he was really, really, really sick, and, and if you know anything about me, you know in serious moments, I always have to crack jokes and make it awkward, which the type A, super serious, non-relational doctors never understood, which made it more funny for me, and so... And so I'm standing in this meeting, like reciting grade 12 biology 15 years later. You know what I mean? I, I was like, how are his mitochondria? Are they good? Yeah. Are they producing ATP properly, creating energy for the cells? Yeah. How about his endoplasmic reticulum? Are they creating enough mitochondria for the cells? What about his Golgi complex? Are his RNA and DNA communicating correctly? Is this happening? They're like, why is this kid reciting grade 12 biology right now? It's because I was in Mr. Stevenson's class, and it's burned in my brain because I took that test so many times. Amen? Let's go. I, I, I love being able to retake the test. I want, I want to remind you today that God is a God that lets you retake the test. Come on, somebody. Hey. You might come to church often feeling like, I failed the test yesterday. And, you, and you're walking in here with this like guilt and shame thing. And you're like, oh, sorry, Jesus. And you're, you're, you're feeling ashamed. I want to remind you that my God is a lot like Mr. Stevenson. And that if you failed the test yesterday, he'll let you take it again today. And he'll let you take it again and again and again and again and again until you pass the test. That's called grace. But listen, <laughs> It's impossible to take advantage of grace because you can't go to the next level until you pass the test. That, that's how God works. Isn't that cool? It's like he's so good that he'll let you take a test every day of your life until you die. But you can't go to the next level unless you pass that test. He's that good, guys. And so, so I really feel like our church is the church that doesn't abuse the grace of God in any way, but instead we honor, we revere, and we say, Jesus, we have to go to the next level to reach the people that you love that are broken in this city, so we commit together to passing the test that you have for us today so we can take another one tomorrow, so we can go to the next level of faith in you and trust in you because we believe that if we will go to the next level, we can do something great in this city. Can I get an amen? Church, let's go. 
I know I'm making you clap a lot today. You're getting a workout. Let's go. Come on, somebody. God is so good. He will let you retake that test. But, but I want to challenge you, whatever test you're facing today, don't be taking that same test 10 years from now. Why don't we pass the test? Let's receive God's grace to trust him enough to pass the stinking test. So glad I passed grade 12 biology, but I passed the test. Hey, point number two, your faith is bigger than your feelings. I am so pumped to preach this point. Your faith is bigger than your feelings. Isn't it crazy that we live in a culture that values feelings over faith? You know, you know what's awesome about kids? They, they just do whatever they feel like. Like Jacob has this new thing he does where he pretends to be a caveman. He goes, ooh, 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 and it drives me nuts. I'm always like raging on the inside, like, oh, 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 hey, dad, dad, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, if this kid doesn't stop right now, I'm going to have a breakdown. You know, I was at my friend's house the other day. I'm like, Jacob, don't do that. You know, oh, oh. I'm like, why do you do this? It's like, feel like it. Wanted to, you know. Like, I remember when the kids were small. Oh, Jesus. I, I woke up at like 6 a.m., to spend time in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, and, and I got up and I went downstairs and my kids were already up and they were younger at this time. And they're up and, and that's not a good thing. You know, 6 a.m., that means your kids have been up in the fives. It means there's going to be some, it's going to be hard to control emotions today. You know, they, they're breaking some rules. They're pretending they don't know how to tell time. So they're like, I thought it was eight o'clock, dad. You know, I'm like, you know, you know. And they're down there on, on the couch and, and, and they're like, Hi, Father. We just wanted you to know that we love you, we appreciate you, and that Jesus is the Savior of our life. And I was like, I am an amazing father. I, wow, oh, I'm doing such a good job. Thank you, Lord. You know, like, just so excited. And, and I go downstairs and, and, uh, and my, my, you know, just hanging out with them for a bit and they're like dad can I can I give you a kiss I'm like absolutely honey you can give me a kiss and they're giving me a cute I'm so cute and I realized that their breast smelled like Oreos <laughs> all of a sudden I'm like I get it I get it <laughs> and I'm there and, and I look over and and to my right is the scariest thing I've ever seen cushions chairs cutting boards, anything that they could make to build a, like, hell, horror, danger mountain that they had climbed up on with their little bodies to go to the top shelf where they had seen, I could just see them bouncing on this thing, like, whoa, 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 at 5 a.m. while everybody's sleeping, and they had crushed a whole tray of Oreos, and I see this, and I'm just going, be patient. Pass the test. Pass the test. And, and I look over at my, my kids and I say, what were you thinking? And they said, I don't know. Wanted that? Yeah. They just felt like it. They didn't care about the consequences. They didn't care that they're going to get a tummy ache. They didn't care that they climbed up Danger Mountain and almost died. They didn't even see any of those things. They just 
did whatever they felt like doing, whenever they felt like doing it, that's what kids do. And so many of us do our Christianity that way. It's like, whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, that's what I'm doing. I love you, Dad. It's all good. God's like, your breath smells like Oreos, you know. And, 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 you know, there's a scripture that says that God wants you to have a childlike faith. I just want to remind us as a church, some grown adults as we study God's word, the Bible doesn't say that we ought to have a childish faith. It says that we ought to have a childlike faith. See, the difference is a childish faith is ignorant to the realities of the standards and love of God in our life. And we ignore that and do whatever we feel like, and it's all good. But a child like faith with humility and honor stands before the Father and says, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. Whatever you call me to, whatever you ask of me, God, as difficult as it's going to be, I'm going to go because I know that you know so much more than me that I will follow you wherever you want me to go. And if it's not good for me, you know better than I do that crushing the Oreos, even though it's going to taste good, might not be good for my soul because I know you've got a plan and a call for my life. So I'm going to do my best to follow you no matter what. And church, this is not a message that you can use to Bible beat someone else that you're thinking of right now that's maybe not obeying God properly. This is a message for you and you alone to examine your own soul. Like David said, God, examine my soul. Help me that I might walk on straight paths. Jesus is calling us to have a faith bigger than our feelings. You know, when I discovered this, I started seeing the Bible differently. And I started realizing that all of my favorite Bible characters had moments when they had to have a faith that was bigger than what they felt like doing. I looked at Abraham, and I realized Abraham didn't want to bring his son Isaac to the altar. But by faith, trusting in the Lord, he brought his son, and God provided a sacrifice that was better than Isaac as Abraham trusted him. I realized that Moses didn't want to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But by faith, he stepped into the office of the king and boldly, because he knew who God was, said, Pharaoh, you've got to let my people go. And God used him to deliver a nation from slavery. I realized that Gideon did not want to face the Midianites. But instead, he hid in a wine press so no one would find him and that so hopefully God wouldn't see him. But, but eventually he, he got over his feelings and acted out in faith and delivered the people of Israel. David didn't want to fight Goliath. He was a 16-year-old kid and there was a 10-foot giant. But because of his faith, he stepped forward and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands before the armies of God? Today I'm going to cut off his head and I'm going to feed his body to the birds of the air. Come on, somebody. That's gangster faith right there. I'm telling you that Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. But the Bible says he traveled a thousand miles in the other direction. So, and God brought a storm and he got to, had to get thrown overboard and, and, and it's so cool. A whale swallowed him and spat him up on the shore of his destiny and he submitted to God and obeyed God and preached to the people and they were saved that day. I want to remind you that Daniel did not want to go to a lion's den. Come on, somebody. 
But he got on his knees and prayed in an environment where it was illegal to do so anyways because he stepped into the faith zone. And when he got thrown into that line, said God delivered him. I'm telling you, Peter didn't want to throw his net on the other side of the boat. But he trusted Jesus anyway and caught a bigger load of fish than he had ever caught before. And friends, I want to remind you today, come on somebody, that Jesus did not want to go to the cross. But in the garden he prayed, not my will, but your will be done today. And because of Jesus, having a faith bigger than his feelings, I'm saved today. And I know him today, and I can trust him today. Come on, we've got to get over the low bar of this generation that just does what we feel like and step forward in faith, believing in the God that had a faith big enough to go to the cross for us. Can we put our hands together one more time for Jesus? Come on, somebody. Now I'm sweaty. I mean, God is so good. He coaches us so well, doesn't he? He loves us so much that he would meet us in all of our insecurities and in all of our failings and all of our failed tests and in all of our small faith. And, and he would love us and show us gently. He's like, hey, here's the way to go. And I feel like today Jesus is just extending his hand saying, will you trust me? Is that a line from Titanic? Will you trust me? That's Jesus. Will you trust me? Because I'll lead you to places that you never thought you could go. Because I love you so much. But you're going to have to trust me. Because it's not going to be easy. And crazy stuff is going to go down. And people are going to get hurt. But do you trust me? Point number three, I want to remind us of this. This is so good. Trust always leads to joy. This is why you're going to make it. The Bible even says this, that Jesus went to the cross, not just for the sake of the cross, but the Bible said this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. He saw you and me trusting him, loving him, believing in him, and for for the joy set before him, it motivated him to get through the valley. See, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is based off your circumstance. Joy is a double portion of happiness that understands that God's grace can get you through anything you walk through, and there's a reality called heaven that is bigger than earth. That's what joy is. See, see, when my son was in the hospital, we, we, we got, it, it was like a freight train hit our life. If you don't know our story, my son was one pound when he was born, spent six months in the hospital. He's got profound special needs today, but he's the best kid in the world, and we'll bring him to visit you all very, very soon, okay? He's amazing. He's my, my, my last born son. We've got four. He's my last born. And uh, I remember in that hospital having days where, like, happiness could not be found. Feelings were not good. The test and trial was real. But I'm telling you, friends, as, as we trusted in God in that season, oh, it, it was the most beautiful thing, seeing his faithfulness to us. And, and there was this thing that happened on the inside of me that I never imagined could happen. I was full of joy. And pe- people were always like, Kobe, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm all right, man. They're like, you just seem great. I'm like, I kind of am. It's weird. Because we had the worst day today and Judah almost died. But, like, I'm just full of peace and joy. 
because my reality is not what happens here. It's who God is here, and I know how faithful he is, and he's never failed me yet, and everything's going to be okay because he's with me no matter what. That's the power of trusting God. See, the reason that we're saying this today is because we want you to enter this new season with a power that you didn't have before because it's deeper than anything that can happen because even if they break up with you or even if they die or even if they get sick or even if you go bankrupt, God is still faithful. And if you will trust Jesus no matter what, he will do something in you that is so incredible and amazing and the joy of the Lord will be your strength and you can get through anything in life, I promise you that. So we wrote this scripture on our wall and I would like to leave before praying for you by just reading it, Psalm 40, verse one to four. We, we made a chalkboard on our wall and we wrote this and we, read, we see this every day and our kids have like memorized it just by eating dinner by it and looking at it. And I would like you to underline it in your Bible too because it's helped me so much. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and he heard my cry. How faithful is God? He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground, and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he's done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you trust in God in any circumstance in life, God's going to do something in you and people from all over are going to look at your life and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, and they're going to put their faith in the God that you have faith in. Can I get an amen, church? God's going to do something great in you. Can you stand to your feet? I'd love to pray for you today. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.